My name is Britt Hicks, and you are listening to another Exvangelical podcast. On this podcast, I interview people from all walks of life who in some way identify with the term Exvangelical. On that note, everyone has their own personal story, their own vocabulary, Uh, When listening to this podcast, there may be things that you agree with and things that you don't agree with, and I invite you to just to sit and hold space for the person that you're listening to. If you have questions, please send them in to me, and I would love to hear them. If you would like to be interviewed as an evangelical on this podcast, please send me an email or uh, reply, and I would love to get you on our show. Thanks so much, and please enjoy listening to this episode. Okay. So here we are with my friend, Kim Mendoza. Kim, go ahead. Hello, hello, hello. Um, Go ahead and introduce yourself and also let everyone know um, how, how do we know each other? How did we meet? All that good stuff. Oh, yay. Well, Britt, it's good to be here. I will say, Britt, you were really pastoral in your protocol, and I just feel very happy to be here. Um, But my name is Kim Mendoza. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And I am currently here in the Midwest um, pursuing ordination as a pastor or minister of word and sacrament, formally. Um, in the Presbyterian Church USA. Um, right now, I'm at a, a, I'm a pastoral resident at a church here in the Chicago area. Um, I've also, my history and ministry is primarily worship, musical worship leadership, which is has been such a journey, but, you know, still, I continue, it continues to be a key part in my spirituality, even though Right now, I'm focusing on on more pastoral ministry. And yeah, Britt and I know each other from, or you and I know each other from seminary. Um, Britt and I have a lot of similar parts of our stories. And Britt, you were kind of like, um, like, I remember we were walking, like you were a year behind me in Mm. school, but we were coming back from um a visit during our world religions class and that's kind of when we just started hitting it off we just started sharing our stories I don't know what prompted it but after that you just kind of became um just a really close friend and confidant and um I'm very grateful for Britt as a friend and um you know I think I mean during that time in seminary it was just really valuable to have your presence and Radica's presence mm. in my life. Um, so that's a little bit. And we played a lot of music together in seminary. We did, yeah. Which was so good. I mean, man, like the cajon, your cajon playing just helped so much with all the things our professor and director of chapel, dean of chapel made us do. So that's a little <laughs> bit of how we now, now Eric Wall will just look at me and look at my cajon and I'm like, yeah, okay. And I'll go over there and pick it up and start playing. Um, so we, we went to go visit a mosque and on the way back from the mosque, um, 
because I think we had talked a little bit and I was like, well, let's just, because I rode with people and I was like, let's just walk back to the seminary together because it's only like a 15 minute walk. And we stopped by this pizza place that I actually, I went to yesterday and it's like right by the church that I, I work at and go to. So every time I go there, I think about Kim and our, our walk and enjoying our pizza as we're walking back to, to campus. Um, and Kim also came to our wedding. So that was really, really special, um, that she flew down to be here with us. Um, so this is an evangelical podcast. So what, what intrigues you? Um, surprise. <laughs> Do you, and I, I know a little bit of your background, so that's kind of why I reached out to you. Um, do you consider yourself an ex? And we can use this term very loosely. I just think it helps as far as having um, some vocabulary. But do you consider yourself uh, an evangelical? I do. And by evangelical, to honor Cindy Rigby and her yeah. Theology. Who will be listening to this? Hey, Cindy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, in the cultural sense, I am an ex-evangelical. Um, and I mean, I've always been Presbyterian, but with evangelical roots. And okay. I think that's how I our evangelical influence because of um, just my church, like the church I grew up in and Filipino culture and living in Southern California and Southern Nevada, like it was just everywhere. So, and that was kind of what we consumed. Was it because uh, we had Jonathan Freeman on? Um, he should be airing. Well, cool. yeah. Anyway, um, but he was talking about he was, uh, and I'm not Presbyterian, so I might butcher this. But there's a PCUSA, which is the more liberal side, and then just the What's the other one? P. There's, there's a, I mean, there's, there's a lot of them. What was the P one that you grew up in? Was it PCUSA or a different so branch? I grew up PCUSA. However, when everything was happening with gay marriage, I would say there was a lot of debate in the church that I was going to and our mother church, which was in Long Beach. Um, Cause I grew up in a Filipino Presbyterian church or church plant. And there, I think, I don't want to, I don't know, I was young when this all happened, but I'd like to say the reason why we still identify as PCUSA, at least the church, my home church in California, was mainly because of the building. Um, but again, I don't know the full story, but I just, I would say, though, that um, if anything, the church that I grew up in would probably identify more closely with Eco Presbyterians, um, Evangelical Covenant, I believe that's what it stands for. I might okay. be wrong. Um, and that their eco is um, pro women in ministry and as pastors, I believe, but they are not for um, LGBTQIA clergy and marrying. Um, okay. So that's the difference. So this is something that you grew up in. Do you remember um, when you became a Christian or was that just something that like you were kind of born into it? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I was definitely born into it. However, I remember when I was younger, 
when you know VeggieTales was a big thing. My Heck yeah. Parents, like <laughs> love some if anybody <laughs> knows what salty the singing song oh, is. So I I had so many of their tapes. We had the salty Bible. My dad wanted to like dress up as salty for a church and do the whole. And please, salty. please spell salty for everyone so they know how it's spelled. It's not salty, but <laughs> pasalty with a pasalty, <laughs> like psalm, but pasalty, salty. Yeah. yeah, salty the singing songbook. Um, but we grew up just with that, and salty did a lot of like. I guess it, it was either like during a showing of VeggieTales or Salty at a Christian bookstore, I think there was like an altar call. And I think I was four and my sister was like five or six. So, or younger. And we were both young. So my parents told me that I, that I went up there and we prayed the salvation prayer. And that's, you know, kind of what happened. <laughs> but then, you know, um, I would say like when I really truly took ownership of my faith was when I went to a youth camp um, when I was like 12 going on 13 to like eighth grade middle school. Um, and, you know, it was like a, the dramatic like tears. You're like, just realize how much of a sinner you are, and you know, um, and at the time there was like a cute boy there and I was like, it was just the whole shebang of what we love about youth ministry. Um, <laughs> Did y'all do the date night at camp where they would have like this whole, like oh. all these religious experiences. And then Thursday night, it's like, and now we're going to do a date night. And it was like, so confusing. <laughs> oh my God. No, it was only three. It was only a weekend for us. Oh, okay. Okay. But that was kind of like when I started owning my faith. And now, you know, I realize, like, I, I I do value all of those experiences, but what as a, someone who is a leader in youth ministry now, I don't necessarily um, teach that kind of theology where you need to pray to get into heaven, or like mm -hmm. that is your ticket to heaven. So yeah. it's been really interesting to reflect on that piece. Um because we do take them on some retreats where it is more like that. And it's mm -hmm. one of the things that we talk about and um, we debrief with the students. So you've been doing this for quite a while, um, your whole life and saying <laughs> doing this, the, the Christian walk. Um, and you consider yourself an evangelical. So what, what happened or what experiences, or if there's one that sticks out where you were like, wait a second, something's just not right or adding up. Like I, I, I can't, I can't do this part of Christianity anymore. Man. I mean, I think there were a lot of moments leading up to it, but I think when I started to own like my beliefs, like this theology of grace rather than shame and mm -hmm. stepping out of that was when I went to seminary um, and I mean, so much happened <laughs> during seminary. You had a I lifetime was, worth of events happen to you I, at seminary. <laughs> I mean, so just background, I went to a, a very, a Christian university in Southern California 
Um, and I worked for a very evangelical, I would, don't know if they would necessarily call themselves evangelical, but a lot of a more conservative Christian um, nonprofit um, mission organization. And um, I was a worship leader in those settings. So the very, like, we had to sign um, honor codes for both of those things, kind of pledging that we wouldn't engage in you know, the things that um, evangelicals are known to not be able to do, like drinking alcohol and having premarital sex, um, being in a same-sex relationship. Um, I'm not sure, if, actually, I don't know um, if that was part of the nonprofit, but I think it was. But those were the things a part of kind of what was laid out to me in my young adulthood. But as a student in, as a Christian ministry major at this school, honestly, our biblical studies courses are kind of what opened my eyes to really like read the Bible as more than a set of rules, but as a narrative of just imperfect, just humans, imperfect mm -hmm. humans trying to figure out all of this faith stuff. Um, and um, I credit my college roommate um, at the time, my junior year, who just, she was, uh, or they are like a womanist theologian. Mm. And I don't know if they would identify as a theologian now, but um, they just started to raise a lot of awareness on campus. Um, but I still was kind of in the shadows. And believed in those things that I would kind of like keep it to myself but it was not until seminary when as Jen Lord would say I was broken open I was forced to bro to break open mm. um after you know getting a divorce my senior year of going on to my senior year of seminary and you um, just got married right when you came in to seminary right yeah so we got engaged it was a very fast relationship. We got engaged after nine months of knowing, dating, knowing each other. Um, and then some, it was, then I went to seminary and then we were engaged for maybe nine months too. Um, and then we got married on campus and it was COVID, all of the things. It was just a big pressure cooker. Um, and then our marriage or we separated June of 2021 and then I, the divorce was finalized my senior going into my senior year um and that was just a big moment for me because I mean as you know divorce is not a thing or it's not promoted as a, a good thing um and you stick with the one person no matter what um because yeah, you're you're having to uh, sort this out through your religious experience and also culturally too, right? It's not just the church. So I am Filipino. I'm a <laughs> Filipino American as well. And yeah, you're right, exactly. And oh man, like there's so much that you could say about Filipino culture in general, but when you mix it with Christianity, it becomes this very it becomes just part of your identity mm -hmm. um, and you carry it's it's it almost becomes like it's a way to honor your family 
it's the life you live, the morals that you keep, that's a reflection not only of you, but of your family and the people that raised you. So, you know, when things don't go right or quote unquote right, you're not only thinking about yourself, but you're thinking like, what are people gonna say about my family? Or like, what's mm-hmm. my family gonna say? Um, and even in our relationship, going into like just the whole relationship I feel like was just a lot of pressure to be an example Mm. that we never were asked to be but we felt that we were supposed to our marriage was supposed to be an example for other people Um, at least that's how I interpret you know the experience and ultimately there's just so much pressure um that was put into our relationship that it kind of blew up in our faces um at least yeah in my again in my in my interpretation of the story do you think um did that have a did you have a lot of influence on purity culture as well do you think because uh, like bringing up shame a lot of shame is usually a, a reflection of um being in the as a yeah being like in the soup of purity culture like I, yeah shame shame is <laughs> it's bad it sucks i know it's, it all too well <laughs> i think there is that aspect too of like not only is there shame in like asian culture such as like filipino culture because mm-hmm. of that family um aspect but there's shame from purity culture and what was ingrained into me as a young girl and I don't like going back and looking back I don't I'm not mad at my parents and all of you know I'm not mad at them for the ways that they raised me but I do look back and I see wow like those subtle things that they probably didn't do intentionally Mm -hmm. um, or like having focus on the family in the background if you know what that is yeah they're right over (laughs) radio station um though like I was listening to that and all of the messages that were um being shared on those podcasts and it kind of introduced me or it kind of brought me into this whole dating world Mm. um with that pressure of like I have to be this certain way I have to like have all of these rules and boundaries and all of these things um and it has you know because that's because God, if we do, then God will honor our marriage, then we won't have any problems. And, you know, of course, um, that was not the case. There were, our, it wasn't perfect. I mean, it was far from perfect, but there is this pressure to appear perfect in the midst of, you know, all, all the things going on. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if part of it too, and this is just me thinking about, you know, also my church's experience with um, purity culture, because when you went to church, all the families seemed like they had it going on, right? Like the the husbands and wives, very heteronormative relationships at church, they look like they had their stuff together. And you're like, oh, when I get married, my marriage is going to be like that. And we have no idea what's going on at home. Like we have no idea what the real truth is, but we were fed this narrative of, yeah, get married and it's, it's going to be good. It's good to have a partner. And we're not thinking about like 
um, really like being, uh, what's the word? Like, uh, <laughs> uh, compatible. There we go. Like, we're not really thinking about being compatible with each other. It's like, oh, this, and I'm, I'm, I'm speaking on my, my behalf, but like, oh, this guy likes me. I like him too. Let's get married. And then you're like, oh, we're really not compatible. We just got married because that's what, you know, purity culture is telling us to flee from youthful lust, you know? Yes. And I want to add too, uh, with purity culture is all of the gender norms and roles. And because you said the word partner. Yeah. I would argue that the, the way, the, the things that were taught to me or the things that I, messages that I heard it wasn't about partnership. It was more about fulfilling certain roles and expectations mm. based on your gender. Submitting. Um, yes. And it was really hard for me to, to really buy into that. It just in right. general, even before, like, <laughs> you know, I would always question things as a little girl. Um, and I just, I mean, one of the things I just remember, like my dad having a talk to me because I was a very athletic, sporty girl growing up. I loved having my hair in a ponytail and just being able to run around and wear clothes that let me run around. And I remember my dad, um, again, you know, I don't think it was out of bad intentions, but just kind of saying like, okay, Kim, like you're going to be a wife someday. Mm there are certain things that you have to do to be a wife. And, um, and I will say like, when I became a wife, I put that own pressure on myself mm. to be this wife that I thought I needed to be. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, it's, it's not, you can't just pinpoint it to one thing. It's just when you're in, in a culture that is just enforcing all of these things especially on women it it's just so overwhelming and when it's based when your worth and your you know your worth as a christian is based on following all of these rules it's really hard when you inevitably because we're human we break those rules um so um i think when i was in seminary that's when i realized that you know I think just the idea of God as not as a rule giver, but as a God who loves us and wants the best for us. Yeah. And there are people in the Bible who there's so many laws that have changed. And, you know, ultimately Jesus Christ came to um, take it all, not take all the rules away, but for grace to come and, you know, um, for us to live into that grace when I realized that that was kind of my turning point of, and my whole world became like from black and white to just, I mean, so yeah, I'm a very colorful and my heart and like Jen Lord would say, the sacraments are broken open mm. and I was broken open as well to just accept a love from God that I, that I thought was just full of limitations and rules, but it's, God's love is as soft, is soft and loving and kind-hearted and gentle and not this like disciplinary like rod <laughs> trying to just 
make sure we fall so that so God can be God and pick us right. back up. Yeah. Like, you throw on lightning bolts at us every time we do something. <laughs> yes. And and not like, like that. Mess up. Yeah. But um yeah. Did, I think- it, did it also help like because I know my class is very diverse. I'm not too sure about your class, but did it help coming to a space where there were just so many different types of people? Um, because like at our at our school, it's not only Presbyterians, even though it says Presbyterian in the name, but we've got people like uh, y'all heard Carrie Holly Hart, who's a uni- Universalist Unitarian. Um, we've had a Muslim student. We've had a Buddhist student. We've had all sorts of people from all literally all different walks of life. So coming into seminary, did that help you go, huh? Or yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like even like, cause we had some UUs in our class and our, you are my favorite people. I love the UUs. <laughs> <laughs> like, and all our old or Hebrew Bible professor was a rabbi. Mm. So like having that much, that many perspective, different perspectives in one room and discussing the Hebrew Bible, which, you know, in the evangelical world, like we're taught to memorize all of these events for literacy. But in that class, it was like we were taught to understand the Bible as this one big story that can leave us in wonder and awe um, and having students of all different religious backgrounds and backgrounds, various backgrounds in general, talk about talk about the Hebrew Bible in their perspective was very eye-opening for me because I realized, oh, like there's not there's no there's not one way to understand this text. Yeah, and that's the beauty of us in this community quote-unquote body of christ is that we have our differences so that we can learn from them not to shame each other for them right yeah i uh when i visited the school it was february 2020 right before everything happened um i went there for the mlk day celebration and to check out the school and after that i sat in Susie park's judges class and I remember it just, I was only in there for what, like an hour and she blew my mind within like the first like 10 minutes when she's like, yeah, so this verse could mean this, it can mean that, might not mean any of this, we don't really know. And I was like, wait a second, wait a second, because like all the churches I had been to previously, it was, no, this is what this verse means and that's that. Like there's no questioning it. And it's the man of God usually, because it was a man that would say, no, this, you, you just, you don't, and you don't question. You're like, okay, that's what pastor so-and-so said. So that's, that's what it means. Yes, man. Yeah, that is exactly. So freeing. I was like, oh my God, like I, like it opened, like just a whole, a whole new world, whole new perspective. And like you said, like with the, doing the Hebrew Bible. Yeah. It was just something (laughs) the way that dr park and rabbi Bumoff, the way that they were so playful with the text and not in a like irresponsible way but they were like present and all the 
I would say most of the biblical studies professors, they would just present the text and be like, hey, what if this is how we read it? Right. You know, it was, and they would leave it open for us to like discuss. And it was never like, here's an article, here's an interpretation, this is the truth. Memorize it, know it, yeah. Yes, and that was like what blew my mind about, or the many things that blew my mind about (laughs) that first year of starting to deconstruct, or not starting to deconstruct, but actually stepping in to and owning my deconstruction. Yeah. Um, Which is actually the next question. Like, have you deconstructed and where would you say you are pre in the thick of it post? Some say that deconstruction continues to happen, which, you know, I think, because like once we've, you know, deconstructed from one thing, we always go back to visit it in a new light. So. Yes. I, I, I don't, I feel like I would like to say that I am past the thick of it, but I don't know. I think, I think being in the thick of it is also good and a great place to be because you're just in a posture of, I'm just, I just want to learn. And mm-hmm. I think I will be just wanting to learn more and more, hopefully for the rest of my life. But I would say that I continue to be challenged in the best ways um, by just various voices that help me in my deconstruction process and also help me own it. I think that's the biggest thing is that like, I think I just starting my ordination process um, and as I get closer to being ordained, I think I'm, I, I'm realizing I need to be transparent as a pastor of what I believe. Mm-hmm. And it's because it's not about tricking people to come to church. That is not what it's about. And I think that's kind of where a lot of, um, I don't want to say a lot, but evangelicals tend to like hide their beliefs or non-denominational churches tend to hide. Whereas I want to be upfront and I don't think that being upfront with my convictions and beliefs, being LGBTQIA affirming, um, being pro, you know, women, women's rights, Black Lives Matter and stating that as a pastor, to me that opens conversation mm-hmm. to hopefully deepen others' faith. Yeah. And also my faith in those mm-hmm. conversations. But so many times, I think, especially with more non-denominational churches, they fear that conflict because they don't, they're scared of yeah. what, you know, of they're scared. And I don't think that we're called to live in fear. I think we need to face, that's the beauty of faith. faith. We, yeah. we sit head on and God is with us all the rest of the way as we figure it out together um so long story short i would say (laughs) i'm in the thick of it and i'm just starting to own um own those beliefs that i've deconstructed and and applying them in my own ministry and i think there's something that's beautiful and powerful in that too that when um, you own it and you're vulnerable, especially as a pastor at a church that can say we are open, affirming, we're reproductive rights, we're, you know, Black, life, Black Lives Matter. 
it it's an invitation to those that have been othered, you know, and I can, I feel like I can speak to both of us that we've been in times in our lives that we've been othered. So when we see things like, you know, Queer Alliance has said, um, these different organizations that are like, no, you're welcome here. Like your voice matters. I think that's what really helps. Um, and you're saying like, or like, you know, you bring up the non-denominational churches that are afraid and that's a challenge for them is to say, Hey, don't just say, yeah, all are welcome, but like really own up to your convictions, question the things that you're like, I don't know about this. I just invite the questions in, talk to pastors that are open and affirming, talk to queer pastors, talk to pastors, you know, that are people of color, like really like challenge yourself in it. Reach out to Kim. She's got all the answers. Just kidding. No, but I love that you brought that up. That yes, it's an opportunity for those who have been othered to be recentered and to mm-hmm. to be in the center. And I think it's it's as sad as it is to say, like there sometimes we are comfortable being othered. And I think for me, I was comfortable being othered, but when I started to own, as I started to own my beliefs um, and walk with God in this deconstruction, although it's uncomfortable, I know God has never willed for people like me, for like you, everybody to be Mm -hmm. othered. I think God has called us his God's beloved children. And that's that. And there's no, um, there's no way to be better or be less. We are, God called us children. He called us his creation or God's creation. So thank you for bringing it up. I, I'm, I see, I'm enlightened by this conversation. Talks. Now I'm thinking of I am a friend of God. <laughs> oh. Okay, but see that's a classic, and it is it's good. Yeah, no, it's good. It's it, good. It hits. I get it. It's not the most. I get it. The depth isn't there, but you know what? It hits sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm now to the point where I can I can start revisiting old um worship songs. It's taken years, but I'm I'm getting there. Um. I feel like the, I, I I was debating to ask you this question or not, but I think I'm just going to ask you. And if you want to um, kind of unpack it, you can, or it can be a yes or no question and we'll just move on to the next one. Um, but do you still consider yourself a Christian? I do. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I think the definition of being a Christian, like I would say that I want to I want to dedicate my life to follow Christ in the best that I can and that means to love justice to walk humbly and man sorry Micah 6a is not my life first but (laughs) mercy walk humbly love justice and there's an aspect of mercy in there that I seek to live um this life of faith by um and I think of, I think 
the ways that I saw Christ, being a Christian was a lot of like internal, mm-hmm. like my internal experience, feeling love for God deeply. But now I see being a Christian is like, yes, all of those feelings. I'm a four on the Enneagram. If anybody <laughs> I, I'm very a feeler. But those are great. But it's we need to be do I need to be doing something about my feelings. And mm-hmm. to me, that looks like um yeah, being being doing justice in the ways that God calls me, whatever that looks like, whether it's going to um, a rally during seminary being by Austin Capitol or, you know, sticking up for the rights of others and also my, my own rights, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, doing those things that bring the kingdom down and also speaking words that open the eyes of people. I open the eyes of people who don't realize that right now we have an opportunity to bring kingdom down on earth and heaven is not a place that we're waiting for, but we can have communion with God and with others that, you know, is this great place right now. It's a lot of work (laughs) (laughs) and it's a lot of having to like fight the system and, you know, but it's possible and mm-hmm. I believe I've I that's my conviction and I you know I want to live by that and um so a Christian in a sense of a, a new defined way of living a life for Christ and it's looking at Christ's example on earth um and want seeking to do the same um for the sake of, you know, not not me, but for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, yeah, I'm going to explain it, but that's my... <laughs> yeah, and I think you do that beautifully, too, through, like, the songs that you write as well. Because um, I know there's one that we're... Hopefully, it's going to be the one that she allows me to play, but at the end of this episode, it's uh, it talks about... Um, a little bit of Kim's deconstruction, but uh, Cindy Rigby listened to it and then she was trying to show it to Jen Lord and wasn't able to. And so I played it for Jen and Jen thought it was beautiful. Um, And y'all, y'all will know what I'm talking about when you hear it later. Um, All right. So we have a few minutes left. I have a couple of more questions and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. Um, What is something that you would want to tell to your younger self? my inner child (laughs) okay I mean first thing is Kim you can be a basketball player (laughs) doesn't matter how smart you are you're good the story I should have known it was gonna go that (laughs) way (laughs) well that's like surface okay the story behind that Kim is is a baller yeah when I just wanted to be the first Filipino American women's basketball player and then there's not one I don't well not when I was growing up okay okay yeah probably by now um but anyway but then my you know I I did feel a calling to ministry very strongly but I think a lot of the messages about my identity especially as Filipino and just how you know Filipinos are built blah blah it was kind of like 
you can't do this because you're Filipino. Like you're supposed to be a nurse or a doctor, you know, karaoke star. (laughs) Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Trying to like be athletic or pursue Mm -hmm. athletics. Like we're not built to be athletic. Um, So, I mean, service, that's what it is. And, and, you know, a a more in-depth would be Kim, you are so loved Mm -hmm. and you, you don't have to, there's no expectation for you that God has called you to, or in general, like just enjoy life and um, enjoy the people that you're around. And um, you can love who you want to love. You can be who you want to be. Be proud of being Filipino American. Be proud of your brown skin. Even though you don't look like the people around you, you know, you're beautiful and God is going to use all of your identities um, for God's good and, and all of who you are is called, not just parts of who you are, but all of who you are is called. And I mean, if you're listening to this, I want to also share that to every, anybody that, that all of who you are, all of the good and the bad, they are called by God and they are called good. Um, I mean, yeah, we have, there are, there are parts of us that we're not proud of that I think, um, you know, when we own it, that's when um, beauty can come out of the ashes and rise. So that's primarily what I would say. Um, there's a lot too. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I kind of, I skipped this question on accident, but I think now is a good time for it. What, what is one thing that you still hold dear from your past, from your, your previous life? Like, like evangelical? Yeah. Life? Yeah. I would say, and by far, it's just the spiritual, like learning, having a, the spirituality aspect. I think it, it is valuable. Of course, there's manipulation that comes with it that I don't mm. think yeah. is the right way. But I think, especially now working with youth, like I want them and I hope that they can gra- have tools to have a spiritual life with God and connect with God. And yes, praying is weird and awkward, especially praying out loud, but also it's a way for us to connect to God and connect to others. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, all like, of course, as a musical worship leader, I mean, I love worship music and I hold, I hold the idea of worship music and, you know, the, the, this whole purpose to glorify God that is of like worship music was made for and to connect with others I hold that very dearly and I do hope that we continue to write songs that um that affirm affirm like healthy theology theology Mm -hmm. that um and and songs that include and you know speak out um truth that I think we don't realize how much of our songs really affect us and our theology and our ideas of God, but the songs that we sing, they do form us. 
yeah. and they do keep us in some way. So that's those, I mean, I said two, but in general, spirituality is what I, I still hold dear to um, from my quote unquote past life. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe I was a chipmunk in my past life. I don't really remember. <laughs> But if I was a chipmunk, maybe I like my teeth are kind of chipmunk like. I didn't choose to hold on to that, but <laughs> the chipmunk. I didn't choose the chipmunk life. It chose me. I know. Yeah, and the yeah, my my chipmunk cheeks. Uh, good for storing food, right? Okay. okay. <laughs> uh. Oh gosh, Lord. Help, help her, Lord. Um, you kind of already went on to this, and I was like, no, but it, it was all good anyway. Um, what would you want to tell somebody listening to this interview? Hmm. I mean, of course, that they are loved, and that God's love is 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 so full of grace and mercy, and it's it's a, I mean, I keep saying it, but like, cause I, I did, I wrote this children's book on first Corinthians 13 for one of my classes. And I compared, I, I wrote that God's love is like a warm blanket. Like mm. it, it snuggles us, it covers us. But I think oftentimes we think of God's love as this very, like, you know, we use images like the strong fourth water that crashed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like very aggressive. A sloppy wet kiss. <laughs> yeah. Like very aggressive and non-consensual. Yeah. Of love. God's love, it's inviting. It's not forceful. Mm -hmm. It, It's there. And we're invited to step into it and embrace it. And um, so I would, I would say that is that you are so loved and that, um, God's love is not one of shame, but one of grace and freedom and um, embracing all of who you are. Hmm. Love it. What are some books, podcasts, maybe TikTok influencers that have been helpful, either like deconstruction or just on your journey? <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean so many books i think i'm a big bible person so the book of ecclesiastes mm. has always been one of my favorite books because of the ways that you know all is vapor like wow what a statement yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's a way of wisdom and to approach life and um so that has been very formative for me i think man see when this happens i mean I don't know if I, I would say a lot of womenist and liberation theology. Um, I'm trying to think of books that I've recently read and like, um, man, honestly, what I, <laughs> this is, this is not really a book, but I would like to just say Dr. Bridget Green, who was a mm, New Testament professor yeah. at Austin during our time, but just her classes on philippians first corinthians new testament and also she i mean she has she's a published she's published too um i think the ways 
that she taught just really opened my eyes and encouraged me to read the Bible with all of the identities that I mm. and that's so that that honors God in that hermeneutic approach. Yeah. Um, considering all of your experiences, like that is a, a way of reading the Bible. Um, so that is what comes to mind immediately. <laughs> it's Dr. Kirkland. <laughs> and, you know, Austin Seminary, there's a plug for Austin Seminary. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> all of Jen's books, all of Cindy's books, yeah. all their publications. <laughs> The health, the households, yeah, we've we've got a, a gold mine um, at APTS. Uh, oh, the last thing is, do you have anything that you want to promote? Do you want to promote your music? Do you have an organization you'd like to promote? Oh man, an I Etsy shop to... of your crocheted uh, squirrel sweaters. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any like formal things. I am hoping. If there are any audio engineers out there that want to work with me, um, of course I'll pay, but I do want to put more music out there. That's one of my goals. So to have an EP is one of my goals um, by the end of this year or next year. Um, but I do have an Instagram at songs with Kim. It's very unprofessional and very casual, but it's very um, you. <laughs> if it's if you just want a good tune with a lot of guitar and um, you know, I put a lot of just stuff that a lot of my feelings and impromptu writing sessions on there. So um, should, your EP it. should be called Enneagram Four. <laughs> <laughs> Songs by an Enneagram Four. Oh gosh, that's well, also I a Gemini. <laughs> Well, Kim, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a great pleasure. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Thanks, Britt, for having me. I'm yeah. so happy to be here. Please listen to this song by our friend Kim Mendoza titled Blessed. is bound to appear sometime i spent my life believing that i had to live a certain way now i'm learning that perfection leaves no room for saving grace so sometimes i'm dancing with the devil i'm doubting in my head i'm sleeping in on sundays so my soul can finally rest oh i find accepted that I was made to be human nothing more nothing less I am a new creation now that I sin with my chest and if I'm being honest oh I've never felt more blessed Love is patient, love is kind Love keeps no wrongs in mind 
Now I realize this love can also be mine No more denying myself The freedom to be me Instead I'm living into a peace Surpassing all understanding So when I'm dancing with the devil When I'm doubting in my head When I'm sleeping in the Sunday So my soul can finally rest Oh, it's me finally accepting That I was made to be human Nothing more, nothing less I am a new creation Now that I sin with my chest And if I'm being Child, just rest your head. I finally accepted that I was made to be human. Nothing more, nothing less. Oh, I am a new creation. And God calls me good just like the rest. And if I'm being honest, oh, I've never felt this blessed. Tune in next week to hear from my friend Janie Johnson. Also, please subscribe to the podcast, like and comment, share, most of all, be kind to one another and to all, and we will see you next week. Goodbye.